big falls in U.S. equities, and a lot of that stems from the earnings forecasts from Walmart. Americans are buying less and focusing on the essentials, like eating. In Europe, they are hopefully using less gas as supplies are cut. But is there a guarantee that cuts in usage will enable them to ramp up reserves for the winter? Aussie inflation numbers are out today. What will they be, and could they force the RBA to be more aggressive next week? And the IMF has had another crack at global GDP forecasts. And let's not forget the Fed meets just before tomorrow morning's podcast. Are they leading the US down a pathway to recession? It's Wednesday, the 27th of July, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. stocks haven't had a good day on Tuesday with the Nasdaq down 1.9%, the S&P 500 down 1.2% and 0.7% off the Dow. In Europe, the DAX fell a further 0.9%, but not much going on with the FTSE 100. It uh, climbed almost 0.8%, but then progressively lost it all as the session went on. We've got some movement in bonds, not in the United States. The U.S. 10-year treasuries haven't moved much at all, but in Europe, yields are down again, down nine basis points for 10-year bonds, nine for French 10-year yields also. The US dollar is back on the climb. The DXY is up 0.7%, mainly thanks to a 1% fall in the euro against the US dollar. The Aussie dollar is down 0.3% to 69.4 US cents. The Canadian dollar down 0.3% and falls in oil. WTI is down 1.7%. Brent down 0.9% to 104.20. But Dutch gas futures up 21%, 214 euros per megawatt hour. That is a tenfold increase on this time last year. It was higher in March, but only very briefly. Uh, Tapper Strickland joins us today from NAB in Sydney. Let's start in Europe, uh, where we're about to see that uh, supply of gas down the Nord Stream pipeline cut in half from the capacity at the beginning of the week. And from August the 1st now, EU countries have agreed to voluntarily cut their usage by 15%. Now, the Commission's original proposal was that it was going to be mandatory rationing, but that was overturned. Presumably it was overturned because some countries just don't want to do it. Uh, Good morning, Phil. Yeah, I think it will be uh, really interesting to see which countries do uh, act voluntarily to cut their gas usage by that 15%. Um, It's thought that if they do cut by 15% um, and the Nord Stream uh, gas pipeline to Germany is cut to 20% of capacity, that would still help Europe refill its gas storages to about 80% ahead of the winter. So the risk here really is, and we were talking about this on the morning call, I think yesterday with Ray and Rodrigo, was... um, it doesn't seem like Russia wants to supply enough gas for Europe to refill its gas storages into yeah. winter. Um, they want to supply enough gas for them to consume, but not enough to store. So the risk here is that if they are cutting back consumption and they're able to refill their storage tanks, then Russia may Just actually decide to turn yeah. down the amount of capacity flowing through that pipeline because it reduces the amount of leverage that exactly. Russia will have going yeah. into the winter. And I think that's part of the reason why you've seen that massive surge in European natural gas prices and just worth noting that's the highest level since the early march spike so um, that pricing for a european recession uh, both in uh, the eurozone and in the uk looks more pertinent now and you did see quite a big rally in german uh, german bonds as a result now let's uh, look at the uh, the share price in the us because big marks today big marks moves down and that a lot of it seems to have just stemmed from Walmart cutting its uh, its full year forecast. And uh, I mean, there might be a good reason behind all of this because they're actually saying that that they're going to lose margins because they're going to have to drop prices to cut back on inventories. Now that's a good sign, isn't it? If that keeps retail prices down, then that that's going to help with with inflation. But they are also saying part of it as well is the fear of a recession. So uh, a double edged sword there coming from uh, from Walmart. Oh, definitely. And it was definitely Walmart's warning late Monday. 
after the close that uh, was the main impetus behind the large decline in stocks uh, that we saw today and just worth noting in the profit reporting season there's three um, themes that are just worth highlighting um, and that is the first one is the warning by Walmart just saying people are spending more of their dollar in terms of groceries and food and so that's leaving less of the wallet to spend on discretionary items and uh, just worth noting the profit margins on food and grocery are lower than on the discretionary items so that's lowering uh, the kind of profit and earnings outlook for Walmart and Walmart shares were down by about 8% dragging other US retailers with it and I guess the most important thing from that is really that food is now making up a bigger share of uh, Hassel's budget so that should lower the amount of spending they can spend on other items. Uh, the second one is a profit warning from Spotify, um, from Shopify sorry. And uh, they noted that people were returning to pre-pandemic ways of doing things. So I think that's just worth noting. Um, so uh, Shopify shares tumbled uh, 15%. It noted that it was going to cut about 10% of its global workforce or 1,000 people. And they were really noting a pullback in online spending and saying that it had misjudged how long the pandemic-fueled e-commerce boom would last. Um, and I just wanted to quote one thing that the CEO noted there. He said, what we see now is a mix reverting to roughly where pre-COVID data would have suggested it should be at this point. Still growing steadily, but it wasn't a meaningful five-year leap ahead. So I think that's quite important in terms of uh, other companies out there, particularly in terms of the REITs and um, the shopping center trusts and those kind of things. If we are starting to revert more towards those pre-pandemic ways of doing things, then that has implications for those asset classes as well. And the final one, just just assuming assuming that they're just not losing market share to Amazon. I mean, there could be a factor that they're just not doing very well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And Amazon reports on Thursday. So we'll be able to mm. get, tease that a little bit more in terms of that. And then the third one, and you're talking about the margin compression for Walmart. What we did note from a number of big, large manufacturers that they had increased prices and increased prices by quite a lot in the last quarter. So Coca-Cola said its average prices increased by 12% in the latest quarter. Unilever said its uh, prices increased by 11.2% across its product portfolio. And uh, Kimberly-Clark said its prices rose by 9%. Um, importantly, uh, and this is especially pertinent for the inflation outlook for the next couple of quarters, uh, the ex- executives from those companies told retailers that to expect another round of price hikes with percentage increases in the mid-single digits. Um, and they also right. flagged some cost-cutting. So um, the inflation that we have seen in food and grocery looks like it will continue for another couple of quarters, and uh, that's going to keep inflation relatively high, at least in the US. Yeah, for a while. But, I mean, it should balance itself out eventually, shouldn't it? I mean, if prices are going up, people aren't going to buy as much. Prices That price growth is going to start slowing, and inflation will... Uh, will you know not be rising at the, the levels we're seeing now? I mean, that's the way it's supposed to work. Isn't uh, it? Definitely, but it, it does suggest that perhaps the dec- the rapid decline that the market is pricing in uh, may not eventuate according to that pace if uh, companies are still lifting prices into Q3 and Q4. And finally, the last point I just wanted to make, and this goes back to what we were discussing about people starting to pivot away from goods and back towards services or something else, um, noting a number of companies reporting that they're starting to see a pullback in those pandemic trends. So Whirlpool, which is a big maker of dishwashers and washing machines, and Weber, Mm. which is obviously a griller, um, noted weak demand for, for key products. And I think that just is reflective of people moving on from those uh, Can't afford trends. Uh, the meat to stick on your Weber. That's the problem, well, isn't it? That so, could be the other so, factor as well. <laughs> so is there going to be a recession or is it going to be a soft landing? It's all going to be in the Fed's hands. Of course, they meet uh, just before uh, tomorrow morning's podcast uh, and we will cover it on tomorrow morning's podcast. 
what are they going to do? I mean, the talk is it's, it could well be 75 basis points. The question is, are they are they going to go too hard? Is you know still that recession question hanging in the air? Uh, definitely. And the consensus in market pricing is for a 75 basis point hike tomorrow. So I don't think there's any dispute in terms of that. The real key focus for markets is whether Chair Powell pushes back against market pricing, which has lowered that peak of the Fed funds rate. So I was just looking at market pricing then, and it's and it's has a peak in the Fed funds rate of December of this year at 3.382%. And you compare that to the June Fed dot plot, which suggested a peak of around 3.8%. So markets are underpricing the Fed by about 50 basis points relative to their June forecast. And not only that, they're also pricing in 51 basis points of cuts in 23. So given how elevated pricing... Uh, so given how elevated inflation is in those pricing anecdotes, there is a chance that he does push a little bit back on market pricing. Um, in terms of the probability of recession, there was a recent CNBC survey of economists and 63% of economists believe um, the Fed will... Um, engineer a recession in order to control inflation or at least be a byproduct of trying to control inflation. Um, most of those believe uh, a recession would begin in December and it would be relatively mild. So the risk here is um, that maybe it's not mild. Um, and just worth noting as well, uh, in terms of where economists at least see the Fed funds rate peaking, they're seeing a peak of 3.8% in March 2023. So still well below where market pricing is. So this is the, I mean, this is the sharpest uh, we've seen uh, heights, uh, rates hiking, isn't it? Since like 1980, 81. I mean, obviously they were much higher then, but if you look at the, the you know, the steepness of those hikes, you've got to go back to then. And you go back to then, you know, they went up, then they came down again, then they went up again, you know, so they're almost at 20%. They came down to 9%. They went back up to 20%. I mean, what's to say we won't be in for a, a choppy ride like that this time where they think, well, we've maybe gone too far. We need to bring it down. And then they, they say, well, that's not working. Let's go back up again. I mean, it's not necessarily a straight path, is it? It's not necessarily a straight path, but because of that choppiness back in the 70s and 80s, uh, that's the part of the reason why recession risk is likely to be a little bit higher in this cycle. Uh, the Fed is very cognizant of not hiking rates enough and seeing inflation not moderate enough which would see them having to have that choppy cycle in terms of rate hikes, and that would lead to less optimal um, activity outcomes in the end. And so I think the risk really here is from the Fed is they will keep hiking until they see a meaningful moderation in, in inflation um, and until they can start to project inflation um, coming back towards their 2% target. What would help them get that way is if they start to see a bit of loosening up in the labour market. And we haven't seen that yet. We've seen it anecdotally in a number of the company profit reporting and also in, in jobless yeah. claims as well. Well, including the Conference Board Consumer Confidence Read as well. That had a, a signs of it. So 50.1% uh, of consumers said jobs were plentiful, which was down from 51.5. I know it's only a small amount. We're clutching at straws a bit, but it's going in the right direction. 12.3% of consumers said jobs were hard to get, up from 11.6%. So small moves, but a move in the right direction. That's from the Conference Board Consumer Confidence Read today. Uh, definitely. So a move in the right direction, but a move probably not enough. When you look at the number of job openings, they still will exceed yeah. the number of unemployed people in the US. So it still suggests a fairly tight labour market there. Yeah. Now, Australian CPI today, uh, what's it going to be? Is it going to be enough for the RBA to think that they have to go harder next week? Uh, it's a very good question. The consensus and what we're also forecasting is for headline at 1.9% Q&Q, &Q, uh, which would give an annualised at 6.3% year on year. And for the more important core trim mean measure, for it to be 1.5% Q&Q and 4.7% year on year, we think that would justify a 50 basis point move uh, next week. Um, if it came in uh, much hotter than that, um, then that would 
probably bring a 75 basis point rate hike on to the table. Um, and really then it would be what was the upside miss there. So our view is if the core trim mean CPI prints greater than 1.75% Q&Q, uh, then there would be added argument for a 75 basis point hike uh, in, in August. And then we'd also be talking about, does the RBA need to move more fully into a restrictive territory uh, relatively quickly? Our current rate profile is the RBA cash rate peaking at about that 2.85% level, which we view to be mildly restrictive. But if you did have an upside surprise to core trim inflation, which showed broad base price pressures, especially in the services side, then that would suggest the RBA probably needs to get well into restrictive territory. So you may see a few people uh, looking at that race, race profile and seeing that the RBA needs to mm. get further into that restrictive going to be interesting to see, isn't it, today? Look, uh, the IMF had another bash at forecasting global GDP numbers. Uh, and, you know, a few months on, they've made big moves. So 3.2% growth this year, which is 0.4% lower than they'd said in April. That's the global number. Advanced economies are going to grow 2.5% this year and 1.4% next year. Uh, it's interesting. I was surprised that projecting UK growth this year will be bigger than the US. So 3.2% for the UK, 23 so 3.2% for the UK, 2.3% for the US. And that is a big downward revision for the US, dropping 1.4% from just a few months ago and and only 1% growth next year. That's curious, isn't it? Uh, Definitely curious. And you just have to look at that Atlanta Fed GDP now, which is uh, pointing towards minus 1.6% annualised for Q2, coming after minus 1.6% in Q1. So that gives you a pretty good hint uh, for why the IMF cut uh, US growth growth forecasts. And just worth noting, um, what's coming up today as well in the US is a whole heap of of those pre-GDP partials, including durable goods, inventories, and the trade balance. And the Atlanta Fed GDP now will be updated post those numbers. So we'll get a better feeling for what GDP may print on Thursday there. Right. Okay. Very good. And the other number, the encouraging number, unless you're Russian, of course, is they're forecasting a 6% fall in Russian GDP this year and 3.5% next year. Uh, it would be nice if that was enough to, uh, to, to to have Russia to change its approach, but we won't hold our breath on that one. And that's why we've got all this uncertainty around, of course. Uh, we'll leave it there for now. Uh, catch you again very soon. Thanks, Tapas. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. And quickly before we go, Alphabet earnings are out and uh, worse than expected, but only just. We've got second quarter revenue of uh, just short of $69.7 billion, up 13% on the same period last year. Uh, a lot of that is uh, down to advertising revenue. And of course, their share value is already down this uh, this year, down by, by a quarter, so it could be worse. Uh, and ad revenue also hitting Microsoft's revenue, which also fell a little short. Uh, and of course, they've suffered from the, uh, the strong US dollar as well, of course. So perhaps no surprise there. That's it for today back tomorrow morning of course first thing looking at the fed uh, you'll hear it all on the morning call i'm phil dobby for nab see you then